1: Do you suffer from chronic pain? It can be devastating. The numbers show one in five Canadians is affected by chronic pain. And the federal health minister is forming a national task force to delve into the matter. They will spend three years, three years studying the problem. And no guarantees that they will have a national pain strategy at the end of it. The issue, of course, is complicated by the opioid crisis. I'd like to hear from you if this affects you or a loved one. I'd like to hear how it impacts your life. The number is 416 toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And right now we are going to Dr. Norman Buckley, Scientific Director of the Michael DeGroote Institute for Pain Research and Care at McMaster University in Hamilton. Dr. Buckley, thank you for being with us.
0: Oh, thanks for the invitation, Libby.
1: Okay, so uh, what is this task force trying to accomplish?
0: So the task force is a federal initiative to identify what are the necessary elements of pain care, uh, research into pain, and public awareness about pain that will ensure that the people living with pain get the appropriate care that they need um, going forward.
1: And why is it so difficult? Why is this so much more difficult to treat than other things?
0: There's a there's a variety of reasons for that. Um, in in part, uh, although there has been Canada has been a remarkable leader in in research into pain and in uh, sort of the most highly cited articles about pain over the last forty years. Um, the actual proportion of research dollars allocated to pain is does not correspond with the magnitude of the problem. Uh, so we, we do need more research into pain. But even when we know uh, what an optimal way to treat pain is, we often don't get that information either to our healthcare professionals in their training programs, or to uh, the healthcare providers uh, when they're in practice. Or if some some optimal care isn't even covered by all healthcare systems, and even when it is, there's waiting lists or challenges accessing care.
1: So, what is? I mean, is there one optimal way to treat pain?
0: No. There's not one optimal way to treat pain, um, but there is certainly a great deal known about how to assess patients with pain, how to identify the various components of their pain problems, and then uh, we we've, we describe pain as uh, a sometimes, not always, a complicated biopsychosocial problem where in addition to some underlying injury, that injury happens to an individual who has certain characteristics psychologically or lives in uh, certain social situations or works in a situation where they may or may not be able to optimally recover or they may need guidance in how to recover. So often the, the best care isn't just a medical intervention like a prescription, uh, or it may involve, uh, say, uh, nerve blocks or other treatments, but that needs to be done in combination with education of the individual and their family and access to uh, things like rehabilitation assistance for optimal recovery, for things like occupational or physical therapy, for example. Right. Things like Physical therapy and psychological counseling are not universally covered by all of our healthcare delivery systems, and even when they are, there may not be ready access to
1: them. Right, and there's also, uh, I think, uh, you know, a uh, psychological, uh, I don't know, um, blocks because a lot of people with pain seem to think that that physical therapy will make their pain worse.
0: Well, that, that's a challenge, right? I mean, part of, the, part of the process involves engaging a patient. So you have to investigate the patient, you know, take enough history, do enough examination to both reassure the patient that you have, a, as a practitioner, that you have a good grasp of their problem, and then they need to have enough trust in you to engage in the process of recovery. And sometimes that's difficult. I mean, if you've ever injured yourself, broken a bone, had a back injury, and often it doesn't feel great when you start to mobilize again, or you may be tired. Even people after heart attacks, for example, you know they, they go through a rehabilitation process. They're fatigued when they do the exercise, and they need to be supported and encouraged to complete their recovery program in pain. So much of pain, I mean, pain is subjective. That's one of the challenges. So when you look at somebody, you don't know if they're in pain unless they tell you. Uh, And you have to, as a practitioner, you need to believe and trust your patient. And the patient needs to hear that you believe and trust them and that you're not just fobbing them off and saying, oh, oh, go exercise and stop bothering me, but that you need to convince them that really is the best road to recovery.
1: How is this complicated by the Opioid crisis, a lot of people, a lot of pain is treated with opioids. A lot of those opioids that say were prescribed for what started out as short term issues, recovering from surgery or whatnot. So how does that complicate everything?
0: Well, the, I mean, the, the opioid crisis has uh, its both drawn attention to the magnitude of the problem, but it's also drawn attention to the fact that some of the treatments we use, like opioids, in addition to having a potentially beneficial effect for many patients, also have potentially uh, dangerous effects for some patients, and then if they uh, either have other disorders or uh, end up getting um, illicit drugs, for example, then there have uh, severe consequences in overdose and death. Uh, And so the use of opioids arises out of uh, sort of a unidimensional approach to pain where you say, you look at it and you say, in the medical model, I look, I make a diagnosis and I give a medication um and so for something like pain a medication may or may not be the most appropriate way to treat it and um an opioid it may treat some of the aspects of pain but it certainly doesn't necessarily promote the rehabilitation or the uh, the exercise um, and it may not you know bring to light all the other things you need to know about your condition in order to recover so you know it's a unit unidimensional solution to a multidimensional problem. And so what we've seen with that is that we began to expose many of the adverse events like overdose and addiction and death uh, that occurred to some extent with, uh, with opioids that further became complicated with what seems to have become a, a very lethal uh, series of illicit sources of medications. And and that's confounded the situation now because many deaths are occurring from illicit drugs, but there's no differentiation. You say somebody died of an opiate overdose. You don't know if that was, you know, fentanyl that came in in a the basement of a packing crate, or if it was a prescribed medication. And so. That's been one of the big problems, and the other. So the other problem that occurred out of that is that people who actually do benefit from opioid prescriptions and who are permitted to return to work or maintain activities have now also gotten caught up in the uh, in the backwash of trying to keep opioids. Out of trouble spots, and so people who uh, who were going to work, for example, are now denied opioid treatment uh, and are not going to work, or they're going through the challenges of trying to reduce their opioid dose to meet a uh, um, uh, an some criterion uh, without recognition of the fact. You know, the Canadian Opioid Guideline very clearly says we should aim for the lowest possible effective dose, but that needs to be an effective dose and not all patients are going to be able to reduce. So what, it's caught up in a very complex situation.
1: What about medical marijuana for pain? I know that Canada is a leader in, in that research, but we're at the very beginning of it.
0: Yeah, and there's you know there, there's two possible pathways here, right? One is cannabis is going to be a a wonderful solution, it'll solve all of our problems. Um, The other is that it's the next opioid, right? And so we honestly do not have the information to answer that question now. We know that we need to approach this very carefully now that it's legal. At least we can carry out sensible research. because one of the hindrances to doing good research in the past was the fact that the substance was illegal, and so there were a great many challenges to people who wanted to do research with um, cannabis for medical purposes.
1: Okay, so uh, we are uh, just about to wrap things up. The first of these reports is due in June. What should we expect to see in June, and will it be in any kind of shape to help people who are suffering?
0: Well, I think there's there's several pieces going on, but I think it, it looks like from the terms of reference, the first report in June is supposed to describe the state of Canada. And I, I think, you know, the, the fact is there has been a lot of research going on. You know, the CIHR funded the Chronic Pain Network, which has put together over the last three years quite a bit of information. Um, there are other activities going on. So I think the task force will have a, a jump start Uh, on its first report, which is to describe the state of the art and the the problems that exist and the potential solutions and where best practice does exist in the country. Every province in the country now, uh, I think almost without exception, has some sort of process underway to examine what they need in terms of a provincial pain strategy. And, And we're incredibly excited that the federal government has shown leadership in putting this task force in place, which I think has a very great likelihood of being able to bring the federal contribution to play on the research and education side and also delivery of health care for the populations where it has that responsibility for example the veterans and indigenous populations and the provinces are in the process of trying to identify their own provincial solutions for healthcare care delivery and where collaborations can occur so I'm, i think the first report in june hopefully will lay A pretty clear picture of what the state of the art is across the country. And uh, and we'll know where to go from then. And with any kind of luck, maybe this will be a task force that reports back in sooner than three years.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Dr. Norman Buckley. Thanks for that.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation.
1: Okay. Bye-bye.
0: Have a good day. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio.